Hello, everybody, and welcome to the hot tag on a flashback Friday. We are here this week with part two of the Undertaker series and welcoming Brandy. So, Brandy, how are you this week? I'm good, guys. How are you? Doing well, doing well. I hope everything is uh, is good down your way. Obviously, um, like I said on our show earlier, I know you know there's a lot going on, um, a lot of heavy stuff, and and a lot of things that uh, you know going on in the world. So um, we are here to try to give you a little bit of escapism for you know uh, 40 minutes, an hour, whatever it takes, um, and and we are going to talk more about the Undertaker. So Brandy, start us off and kind of just give a little quick recap for those because I know we've been gone for a couple weeks um, and then we will go into uh, what we're going to get into this week. I just want to say thank you to people who've responded in the Facebook group. You guys have had some amazing comments and wonderful questions. So you guys are awesome. Also, Joe, I thought about this question earlier. If The Undertaker and Luna Bashan had a baby, what do you think they'd name it? Uh, 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 that's a good question um i uh, i have no idea um i don't know i mean i know i'm thinking of horror characters but i I know i was come up with one earlier (laughs) luna was a was something else uh she was she was a scary woman um, without a doubt. And then uh, the makeup and stuff like that. But yeah, she, she was a scary character. I think they'd probably give birth to Michael Myers. Yes. that Yeah, I, I certainly. Um, yeah, absolutely could be. Absolutely could be. That's great. <laughs> okay, guys. So last time we had gotten to the point where we were beginning to talk about the Hell in the Cell. Of course, Undertaker and Shawn Michaels were in the very first Hell in the Cell And that's when we hear probably Vince McMahon's most famous words. That's gotta be, that's gotta be Kane. Yes. And yes. And they had never done a hell in a cell concept like that before where you had the cage actually going outside of the ring and it, it had a closed top. And so it was pretty revolutionary. And you, you had never seen a bump like the one that Shawn Michaels took off of the side of the cage, you know, up until that point. And I think it was, it was a great match, but you have a year later, Mick Foley and the undertaker, of course, having a hell in a cell at King of the ring 98. Yeah, And I think it's probably the match we hear most about when you talk about Foley versus Taker and, you know, just, just the, the infamy of the match has lived as long as it has, I think speaks to the athleticism and the storytelling and the teamwork of both of those guys. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, um, I, I agree. Um, There was, a lot of anticipation there and just, yeah, um, I, I agree with you. Is, is there anything from that match or the commentary or anything that sticks out to you the most? (sighs) Um, 
Yeah, I mean, the the uh, it's hard for me to remember a little bit now. Man, I'm getting old. Um, the yeah, uh, the the commentating in the match. Um, I do remember. Um, I remember. Uh, man, I it's. I mean, obviously, the, the it's been shown quite often. So, I mean, you saw a lot of stuff, but I mean, it, it was just. Um, yeah, I mean, it was just an incredible match. Absolutely incredible match. What about you, Jeff? We're talking about the Hell in the Cell. The Hell in the Cell. The King Hell in the Cell. I just <laughs> there, there. Um, you get your Jr. Uh, good God Almighty, he's broken in half. Um, you get the uh, Jerry Lawler. Yep, that's it. He's dead. Jerry, as a matter of fact. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah. They I mean, there's so many. There's so many iconic parts, and um, you know, Jr. saying somebody stopped the match, and yes, you know that it's yeah. When I love the beginning of it when they both start when he starts climbing up to the top of the cage, and then you get Undertaker doing the same and um yeah i mean it's such it's such an iconic match yes um because there are so many iconic moments within that that one match um i mean you think about foley you think about the two of them actually climbing up and getting on top of the cage and, and not just go ahead brandy go ahead no i'm saying i was gonna say you know who we have to thank for that don't you who's that Terry Funk. Of course. <laughs> he he and Mick were were going back and watching the Sean Taker match. And Mick was like, I can't beat it. There, there's nothing I can do. What what do I do? And Terry says, Cactus, you gotta start at the top of the cage. You know, you know Terry's voice. Yeah. And so Mick's like, I don't know if I can do that. You know, because he's like, Sean's this weight, and I'm, I'm a lot heavier than he is. And, you know, how are we going to do it? And so he starts thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it. And he said, you know, Terry, I, I think I can do it, but I'm going to have to come off the top of the cage. And Terry's like, well, Jack, if you want to die. You know? <laughs> and so... I don't know. Has that ever been done before? I mean, I, I, I can't really remember. I, I can't recall. I know, I remember, I remember flying off the cage into a ring. Like I said, I remember Snooka's moment when he, when, he, when he did the superfly off the top of the cage. But has that ever been done before that? Well, the Hell in a Cell, the first Hell in a Cell was with Sean and Taker. Right. And mm -hmm. Sean only came off halfway through the, the side yep. of the cage. Yep. So this was the second Hell in a Cell, and so yes, this would have been the first time. Yeah, I figured. Yeah, I thought and, as much. And even then, they didn't have the handholds and the footholds like you see today. Right. You know that that wasn't there. They were literally just climbing up the fencing. Yep. And that, from from what I understand, that match kind of sparked that whole change of putting the hand and foot holes in the cage yes. so they could get up there a little bit easier. 
Yes. Yeah, that's that's not easy. Um, I don't know if, you know, I mean, when I, obviously when I was much younger, and I'm sure Jeff and and Brandy, you may have been there too. When you're kids, you know, you 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 know, climbing fences is a thing. Um, yeah. So and that is not easy. Those little chain links are not forgiving at all. And I'm sure Jeff, you might be able to touch on this a little bit more with your wrestling career because. You know, you, you try to grab those things and then try to hoist yourself up with those little link chains. It's almost like they're digging right through to your bone. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've only, I've only done one cage match. Sweet. Um, and <laughs> number one, I'm all, I, I don't really like heights. So, yeah. Um, so that, <laughs> that's, that's one, but we, we did do a spot where I, I got like halfway up. And I just like let go and did like a crossbody um, to two guys on the floor. So um, that's my extent of doing anything with a cage. But it was not easy. I can tell you that because we did not, un- unlike WWE, <laughs> we did not have a big budget. So we couldn't really do anything <laughs> with cages and make it easy. So, uh, so yeah, so it was um, – yeah, it that is difficult, very difficult. Dude, I want to hear that. Just saying. <laughs> you want to uh, hear? It? You want yeah, to hear? Well, I can't see the match. Yeah, I want to hear it. You, <laughs> okay, I mean it. <laughs> it was a it was a tag team match mm-hmm. for the titles. Uh, we were the champions, and we had a match against these guys and. We had been building. We had been building up the feud for probably uh, two solid months, and um, you know, finally, it could. You know, we couldn't. The only way they could contain us, and this is how it was promoted. The only way you can contain the the feud was to put us in a cage and let us fight it out. That is awesome. Um, so, you know, we get down to the ring and we. We go in, and um, you know, I, I, we go in. They're coming out with their entrance. I go out because they're like standing halfway um, up the ramp, and I, I go out and I'm starting to, you know, try and get them down there and hurl insults at them and everything. And um, they come down and we start fighting and. Um, yeah, for whatever reason, um, we worked it out in the back where they said, hey, we know you're the biggest guy in the match, but it'd be really, really cool if you came off of the cage before we even get into the ring. And I'm like, all right, you know, cool. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I, I climb up like halfway and I'm deathly afraid. Uh, you could probably tell um, – I'm sure the people in, in the crowd could tell for sure because um, the sweat that was pouring off of my face at that point was just, it, it told the story. But, um, but yeah, I, I um, climb halfway up and I look back at them and then I just like push myself off of the cage, twist my body and land, you know, hit like a crossbody against the two of them. Um, my partner who was also my trainer comes comes out and we drag them both into the ring and we put on a 45 minute 
uh, match where we just beat the absolute crap out of each other with everything that we could find. Um, this is one of the infamous thumbtack spots that I did um, in my career. And uh, we ended up retaining the belts. Uh, but that was – it was a 45-minute match, and we had people glued the entire time because we were just – we were just one-upping everything that we were doing. Uh, we, we did have a spot where it, – and it didn't have – this cage didn't have a top to it. So we right. couldn't do anything up top. But we did have a spot where one of their guys climbs up to the top from the inside of the ring. He's standing up there. He, he jumps off, and I catch him and do like a – like a modified Falcon arrow where I turn, mm -hmm. you know, I have them, have them turned and kind of do that thing. And it, it was, that was a pretty cool spot. Um, it, it hurt like crap because when I caught him, um, he had enough force behind him where, where it almost knocked the breath out of me. But, um, uh, but no, it was, it was a fun match, 45 minutes, like I said. And, um, you know, we had the, we had the crowd hook. That's awesome. Well, there you Jeff, go. Jeff, everybody, See, a lost <laughs> member of the Dudleys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, we, we did have tables in that match as well. So, yeah, you could there you, you could say we were trying to emulate the uh, the Dudleys and the Hardys. That's great. That's awesome. Awesome. That made my day. That was fantastic. Well, there you go. See that? We took a little bit of a side thing there, but there you go. It's okay. Jeff's experience with a cage. Awesome. Yes. Um, hey, awesome. I love it. First okay, so <laughs> so Mick Mick goes to Taker, and this is probably a couple weeks out from the match, and he's like, "This is what I want to do." Taker had an injured foot at the time. Yep. You know, Mick knew he's like, "I'm not Shawn Michaels," <laughs> you know. So he goes to Taker, and this is what I want to do. And Taker's not convinced. Goes back to him again, closer to time. Taker's still not convinced. Finally. Mick says, look, this is what we have to do to beat your and Sean's match. And Taker goes, okay. And so Mick starts out top of the cage. Taker joins him up there. And, and Taker has a really legitimately messed up foot. So yeah. from the get-go, you know, you have to really give a lot of credit to these guys. They knew they're doing a dangerous match. Taker's foot is hurt. Mick says he's not the most athletic wrestler there ever was, but he's a legit tough guy. And so the first bump off the top of the cage was planned. Mick's goal was to Uh oh. Okay, she hits the announcer's table. Why? Why is always the Spanish announce table? I don't know. But they're running, you know, trying to get out of the way. And Mick said he very easily could have hit the guardrail, and then it would have been over. And um, so then they they get back into the match, and you know they're fighting on top. And they were not supposed to go through the top of the cage. Apparently, there were weak spots from where they had been up earlier. And so when Taker goes to pick Mick up, was it the 
It was a regular choke slam, right? Not the triangle choke. Do you guys remember? I think it was a regular. Yeah, regular. I, yeah, I think so. So Undertaker goes to choke him on top of the cage, and he goes right through. And that's when you hear, "Oh my God, he's broken in half!" You know, and <laughs> famous line. Yep. I, I, absolutely. And I, I, I wish. I could see the part. I they've talked about it so many times of the ca the camera shot. Mick actually has his tooth coming through his nose. Yep. Oh yeah. And he busted his lip open. The the bottom of the lip. He has a hole in his lip, and he can stick his tongue through. And this is not the first time that's happened to Mick. So he's, he's had practice of trying to see if he can stick his tongue through a hole in his mouth, and. So, you know, Taker's doing everything he can to give him time, you know, for the reps and everybody to make sure he's okay. And he gets, they put him onto a stretcher. And I'm sure everybody there, you know, who knew what was going on with what was supposed to happen in the match thought, oh my God, he's in serious trouble. He gets off the stretcher, goes back into the ring you know, starts feuding with Taker again. Um, thank God at one point, Terry Funk comes down. He has a little altercation with Taker just to give Mick a little bit more time. And later on, Mick asked Taker, what did you think when I fell through the cage? And he says, Mick, I thought you were dead. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I was just reading that. They, they, uh, and uh, Funk thought he was too. And Undertaker actually stayed in character, even though he said that. And I think Terry Funk was quoted saying something like his eyes weren't rolled in the back of his head, but they said it, it, it was like staring into a fish. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, how crazy is that? And I think I read too that they, that it was planned, like they loosened the brackets on the roof. So they kind of planned it a little bit, but it was never planned to, to do what it did. And I think no. I also, didn't I also read something, I think maybe in Mick's book, and this is going back to when I read, when I read his book that he came out with, but I think if I remember right, he was saying something that if he, that he didn't take that choke slam the right way. And if he did, he could have died. Mm -hmm. Yes. I, that's what I thought. Yeah. Yes. He, he, ca he calls it the goozle. And he said, if, if he hadn't taken it, how he did, if it was correct, yeah, he, he would have died. Wow. Yes, he would have. He would have died. They and they had planned in advance to do a thumbtack spot. They actually have the wherewithal to do that. Uh, there's a, I believe Taker does a tombstone. The match is finally over, and they stretcher. You know, they go to stretcher Mick back out, and I believe Mike Kyoto was the referee. Is that correct? Yes, I think so, yep. Yes, I'm pretty sure Mike yep. Kyoto was the referee. And Mick says, have I been on the stretcher once already tonight? <laughs> Mike goes, yes, Mick, you have. And he says, I want you guys to help carry me out. I don't want to do a second stretcher job, you know. And so Mike Kyoto and Terry Funk carry him out. And how he was able to even walk after that, I have no idea. And I also read um, 
in information about this match and also from Mick's book that Vince McMahon was legitimately concerned. Yes. And yeah. they said often you don't you don't see him show that side, but he, he was he was very frightened. Well, if two, if, two, if two if two people thought, I mean, my goodness, if two people thought that he could have been dead, then I yeah, I can certainly understand that. Uh, but um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was it's insane, like the the fact that and and I think again, I think remember reading this book, and it, it's it's hard for me to remember because it's been so long. But I think I want to say I think he said he didn't remember much of it. No. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, you know, if, if he was in that kind of shape, then, then yeah, yeah, he, you know, you, you don't really remember much of it at all. And there, there was a lot going on there. And he, um, in, in the back, he, he asked somebody, I don't remember if it was one of the trainers or one of the doctors, but he said, no, I'm sorry. It's Vince McMahon. He says, I'm sorry. I didn't do the thumbtacks. And this is while he's got, you know, hundreds of thumbtacks in his body and somebody says, Mick, Mick, you did it. And he's like, oh, okay. So he ends up, you know, in, in the hospital that night and, and getting fixed up. And the crazy part for me is somebody says, Mick, you need to call your wife. And I, I think he also wrote, you know, there that he doesn't remember that conversation. So, you know, just... The athleticism and the wherewithal of Undertaker and mankind to handle what they went through and do everything that they did. I, I don't know if the fans can fully appreciate it. Yeah, um, that it's for sure. I mean, I, you know, uh, to, uh, Mick has always been known as a guy that's going to sacrifice his body. I mean, and when he showed – he showed videos of him when he was younger, jumping off rooftops and all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. So, I mean, you knew that was a thing. Um, Taker, you know, you never really saw him do that crazy. I mean, he, you know, he, he, of course he had moves. He would fly, he'd jump over the ring and, and the, the ring ropes outside and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So the wherewithal of it was there for both of them, but to this degree, I don't think anyone expected it. I can remember, like I said, I don't remember. I remember watching it, of course, and I remember moments of it, but I, I don't remember it like I used to. I'm going to have to go back and watch it again. But it was, I just remember like being, you know, when he went through that cage, it, it took my breath away. Like yes. I, I absolutely just could not believe that that happened. Um, and then seeing, and I honestly didn't know until after the thing about his lip and, and the tooth being there, I remember seeing that and thinking, what, what is that? Like, right. what, is that like a piece of, like, I didn't know. And then I found out about it now, you know, afterwards. So it's, it's, yeah, it's insane. And stuff like that will never be something that'll be duplicated again. No, especially, you know, the thing that's really unforgettable to me is the sound of him crashing through that cage and hitting the mat. You will not hear a thud like that again. I mean, it's just sickening. Um, <laughs> this was kind of funny to me. I guess this is a little behind the scenes magic, but the, the teeth that he knocked out, they put in a glass of milk. And that was able to keep the tooth or maybe it was multiple teeth okay until he could get to the hospital and they could put the, the teeth back in. 
Wow. <laughs> I've, I've, I've heard of bones and stuff being that I didn't, I never knew you could do that. Well, there you go. I never, I didn't, I never... you hate milk. It does a body good. Apparently. Yeah, apparently yeah. so that drink that calcium. There you go. And, but <laughs> I just, I just thought that was one of the little side notes that just made me go. Hmm. Um, but I just, you know, I, I think about this match and, and I know we're focusing on Taker here, but I think about this match, and then I think about Mick's 99 match with The Rock, where he takes the 19 chair shots oh. to the head. I'm like, oh, which yeah. one is more brutal? Yeah. Yep. Yep. The man certainly lived up to his hardcore name. Uh, Absolutely. There's no question. Um, I mean, you know, and, and you could tell, like you were saying, he, he got a lot of that from Terry Funk. Uh, yes. A lot of, lot of influence from him because that man too, you know, when you, when I saw some of the scars, I saw him in an interview and when I saw some of the scars on his body, uh, you know, on, on his forehead and on his arms and stuff like that, it's like, good Lord. It's, he, he looked like he went through a war. Um, yes. And yeah, it's, yeah. And like I said, you, it's just, it's it's a piece of history and obviously you know undertaker's history is going to be looked on as being you know so rich in in his wrestling career from being around for so long and been involved in so many matches that uh it's hard to pick one but um this match is 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 absolutely iconic you know i think as far as undertaker's career goes i think that and uh there's this one match where, where he is with Kane and Undertaker actually gets caught on fire. And it was not, it was an accident. It was a complete accident. And, you know, you just think, you don't realize how they sacrifice their bodies. I mean, Undertaker has been in a coffin match and the coffin accidentally caught on fire. You know, Kane, they had an Inferno match, match and Kane caught on fire. It's like, you know, these guys put their bodies and their souls on the line for everybody that loves this business. And, you know, you're, I just, I think you're not going to see that in today's, you know, talent pool. Not I mean, only that, know, not only that, but it's just that I think they're at the point too, where they just aren't going to risk it. I mean, yeah. you, you have, you know, there's, it's such a different time now. And um, again, Jeff, you'll have to correct me because you might know more about this, but the setup for, for that kind of a match, like an Inferno thing where you have the flames there, I'm thinking it's almost like one of those little, um, in fact, it's fine. my wife just bought one, one of those little uh, enclosed gas jets that you can put out, you know, on your porch or your backyard and, and hook it up to a propane tank. I'm guessing that that's what that is, but I can totally understand how easy it would be for you to get burned on that. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's what they use with that one. Um and it had, you know, it had like the motion thing whenever they whenever you hit the mat the flames would come up. Yeah. Uh I thought it was really funny the uh story that Kane told about how little training they got uh when it came to you know how <laughs> how to take these things and what they were going to do when he got um, when he got set on fire there, how, you know, what to do in that situation. So, um, so yeah, that was definitely a, um, definitely an interesting, uh, thing there, but you, I mean, 
when you bring in elements like that, you can have everything worked out from a uh, from a spot perspective as wrestlers, but you don't know what's going to happen with that. I mean, because some, anything could happen once yeah. you get into the ring with something like that. You you have no control over it. Yeah, makes makes sense. I mean, look, anything can happen. Like you said, I mean, it's an element. You're you're playing with an element. You're literally, uh, you know, quote unquote, you're playing with fire. Right. <laughs> so exactly. You, right. you don't know what is I, gonna. Yeah, yeah. You don't know what's gonna happen. I mean, something can go wrong. A, a, a wind can whip up somewhere. So, um, yeah. Uh, but but back to your point, Brandy. It's like, yeah, you you. It's it's not gonna be something like I said. You, I don't think you're ever going to see anything like that again because nowadays especially now we have the cinematic stuff going on now too they have ways where they can protect these guys better and i think the athletes today themselves would never probably agree to it i i, I honestly think and that's no knock on them look i you know mick was mick um and and taker and this is why you know we're, we're talking about him um he and you see this on his uh, on that on that show they have on now the last ride you know he mentions about how he's never satisfied he, you know he can come through a right. match and he he's never satisfied with it and you know so he always wants to try and improve 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 and, and be better than the than the last one so you know you think to yourself well i just had the best match i could ever have how can i improve on that um so i i just think it's two individuals that you're never going to see anything like them again. You might see people out there similar or kind right. of using gimmicks and stuff, but I don't think you'll ever see them take chances like they did back then to entertain. And again, it, it all goes back to that, doesn't it? I mean, these guys are, are putting on a show and the fact that my goodness, Mick Foley almost died doing this. I, I, that's insane to me. Yeah. And you know, you, Everybody talks about, well, who's Undertaker's last match going to be with? And I, I really, really wish it could be Mick. I know his body won't allow him to do that now. But if you're going with nostalgia, if you're going with the depth of the character that the Undertaker is, I, I don't think you could have a last match without Mick and Kane in some capacity. If he chooses to pass the torch to Bray, which I would love, or to even... Um, Alistair Black, you know, I, I just really don't think you get that last match without some of the history and some of the depth that he has had with Mick and with Kane. Somebody mentioned, and I don't remember where I read this, but somebody mentioned now that you've got the cinematic stuff, it makes it a little bit easier for them to incorporate things like that. But somebody had mentioned, what if it were something along the lines of a match similar to the Funhouse match with Bray, where now it doesn't necessarily have to be with him, but if it was somewhere along those lines where he kind of relives things from his past, and and that's when you can bring in a Kane or you can bring in Mick Foley, and they yes. would not necessarily have to be physical. They wouldn't have to wrestle. They could just end up appearing there somehow, um, no matter, you know, whoever he would happen to be wrestling. But, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, that's that's what's cool about this. There's yes. so much stuff that they can do. And, yeah, I mean, what what a way to go. Um, people people would be on their seats applauding if, if that, something like that happened. Absolutely. And, you know, people talk about dream matches and they want to see Taker with, with Sting. I was thinking about, you know, who I would enjoy Taker against 
from the past. And I thought, can you imagine a Taker-Kevin Sullivan match? Mm. Yeah. Yep. The mind games. Yeah. Absolutely. The storytelling. Yes, that would be awesome. Yeah, that would be that would be absolutely cool. Yeah, that definitely. That there's there's so many matchups that you can make, um, and you know people tend to to go toward the newer guys um, as opposed to the you know the guys who have been around. But yeah, um, absolutely insane. Um, uh, the the things you can do for sure. Yeah. Um, there is a lot more to touch on with this, obviously. Uh, we still have all the rest of Undertaker's career to go. Um, the streak. So, yes. Yep. We have. Yeah. Give us a little preview, Brandy, and then uh, we will um, we'll go on to uh, have you uh, promote a book, and then we will – Wrap it for this week, and then we. But preview the the next uh, um, the next section of the uh, of the Undertaker for next week. They, you know, I think we're going to get into the ministry some. Um, yeah. I have some love hate issues with that period of the Undertaker's time. Uh, I I think we're going to maybe you know mention the American Badass period, uh, but we're going to move forward to the Undertaker character himself. Hopefully, cover his feud with Randy Orton, which I absolutely loved. Um, and, and his matches with Triple H, because I think there's an argument to be made that, you know, some of his matches with Triple H may be just as good as some of his matches with Kane. And then, of course, Shawn Michaels chooses The Undertaker to retire him. People are constantly debating about which match was better, the retirement match or the one they had a year or two before. And then, of course, you know, you start to see Taker less and less and, until WrestleMania season, and, and you talk about this streak. Um, and I think there's a lot to be said with his feud with CM Punk. If I had a wish, I would love to see more between Punk and Taker. Um, and then, of course, you get to where the decision to end the streak is made, and I think we can debate that all day long. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And uh, then, of course, the match with Roman and this year's match. You know, there's just so many iconic moments. Yeah. And the will of this man to continue to do this for the love of wrestling itself and for the love of his fans, I, I think he deserves a standing ovation every time he comes out, honestly. Yeah, I agree. If you if you guys aren't watching uh, the Last Ride, the documentary, you really should. Um, I know you know. And how can you like WWE and not be a fan of Undertaker um, in any way, shape, or form? You know, uh, look, yeah, uh, it's a it's a look behind a character you never knew about, um, you never heard much about, and uh, it's it's amazing to see. And like I said, it was just you know watching it and seeing the will of this man. Um, just not being satisfied. That, like you had mentioned, the Roman match we'll get into. Um, but, you know, he, he just knew that he couldn't, you know, he wasn't able to perform that, um, uh, the uh, the submission hold. Uh, and he knew he messed up and he felt horrible about it. Um, mm -hmm. So, and, you know, and listen, he could have walked away and no one would have thought any less. Um, so, you know, but in his own mind, and that's probably why, you know, so many people are saying the guy's never going to fully retire um, until he just can't do it anymore. 
uh, because, you know, he goes out and gets a hip replacement and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, if you haven't watched it, um, make sure that you do um, because it's, it's really, really excellent. Do you guys have a favorite so far? Mine so far is number three. Go ahead, Jeff. Hmm. It's a toss up between two and three. Cool. I yeah. thought two was phenomenal. Yeah, I did too. Yep. Yep. I did too. I, I like, yeah. That's not taking away anything from one or three, but I just thought that one was phenomenal. Yep. Yep. I agree. I agree. I, I think just, you know, again, just seeing that uh, the, the disappointment, the fact that they kept going back to when he was watching that match on TV. Right. Um, and he just couldn't take it. He couldn't watch. Um, and I also, I, I also love the backstage stuff when you just see him walk back there. It's like a led, living legend walking through the locker room. Yes. Um, just everybody comes up to him and, and, you know, the younger guys and, you know, he's high-fiving guys like the Miz and he's talking to other people, you know, and he's joking around with people. It's like, you know, it, it's, it must be, you know, I, I, how can you compare it? I mean, to walking past a Ric Flair or a, 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 an Andre the Giant back in the day, you know, like, yeah, I, I mean, it's, he's a legend of the business. And, Absolutely. Uh, and you could definitely see it, you know, you could see it in the young guy's faces when, when he's there and he's talking to them and how Roman talked about how he came over and sat with him and his wife, I think, and they were talking. Um, yes. So obviously, you know, he's a good dude. Um, and, and they were very well respected, even by Vince. And, uh, you know, you mentioned earlier, um, you know, Vince isn't one to, to, to do that. Uh, he's not one to, and the fact, you know, it, it took it, the one episode where he went to the hospital and then, and then Vince went with him and left the pay-per-view that's saying something too. Uh, Absolutely. Be because you just, it's just not something you would know Vince to, to do. So, um, but yeah. Uh, it's, it's unbelievable career. Absolutely unbelievable. So we will get to part three. Um, we will do that for you guys next week. Um, we wanted to make this one mostly all about that match with Mick because the match is just bigger than life. Uh, and, and one of the most remembered matches for both of those superstars that will go down in history, um, as one of the most brutal, uh, probably matches and, 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 uh, absolutely crazy you you can't talk history um wwe without mentioning that match so um so brandy um give us a uh, before we go um give us a book i know um you you enjoy uh recommending those books so uh, let yes, us let us I know do. what you've got i i have to say if you have not seen hell in a cell from 1998 king of the ring stop what you were doing and go watch it go watch it guys um and don't worry next week i will bring up some wrestlers court info because i know some of you out there might be a little curious send in your questions send in your comments i have some exciting book news awesome okay so you guys know that i've been talking about oh i can't get this on audio i can't get this on audio well with the couple latest updates to the iphone it allows me to use the Kindle app now. And I can't use it on all books, but I have been able to get some wrestling books. There you and go. Awesome. My, my recommendation for this week, especially um, considering the last episode of um, the, the 
Dark Side of the Ring. Yep. I did get to read Martha Hart's book. And it, it just, it described a love story. It described a wonderful man, a wonderful wrestling legacy. And it was, it was absolutely beautiful. And I know there's a lot out there that said about Martha Hart, but I, I don't think you can, you know, really truly understand what somebody is going through until you've been in their shoes, but you get a really good look about what she went through and what her children went through. And I, I think she should be commended for, for being able to go through all of that again on paper. Absolutely. Absolutely. A hard to, a hard to definitely hard to bring something like that back up. Sure. Absolutely. And it was, it was fantastic. So if you want a great read, if you want something well-written and a really compelling story, um, go check out Martha's book. It's, I, I can't put it over enough. Awesome. There you go. Well, listen, we thank you guys for tuning in as always. Um, thank you to Brandy for being on, uh, on the show again and uh, for doing her hot tag for us. And uh, I know the guys are, I've already kind of teased it with them. I said, you know, cause I, we've had people asking about it. So when we get done with the undertaker, we're going to move on to Waylon mercy because I know we've got a, we got, you know, a community full of brave fans and, uh, they, you know, they want to learn a little bit more about this character. So we're going to, we're going to move on to that after our next part of the undertaker, which is next week. So awesome. Uh, again, thank I love you for, it. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be cool because I think a lot of people don't really know the character very much. Uh, they know he kind of inspired Bray a little bit, but not as much as they would probably want to know about the character. So absolutely. So yeah. Thank you guys for joining us again. And uh, listen, we will talk to you again very soon. Thanks to uh, Jeff and of course, Brandy, and we will all see, uh, see you next Friday. Bye.